The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Shroff Landscaping. Shroff Landscaping has been in business for over 50 years and can handle all of your landscaping needs, including landscape design, maintenance, irrigation, hardscaping, fall cleanup, and they are licensed lawn applicators. Contact Mitch Melton today for all of your landscaping needs at 317-694-9763. Shroff Landscaping, design with you in mind. This is Carson Owers from the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to the Boiler Breakdown Podcast, hosted by Tanner Lee, Evan Webb, and Andrew Eiler. Look, has time to throw. There's an out deep. Way downfield. Grab by now. He's going to score. He's going to score. Touchdown, Purdue. Seth Morales. Seth Morales. There are no flags. The Boilermakers have taken the lead on a 64-yard strike. Unbelievable. And they're showing blitz again. They back out of the blitz. Toss it downfield. Caught by Stubblefield. Goodbye. Tanner Stubblefield beat Dwight Ellick and waltzes into the end zone. It covers 97 yards. More in motion. They get it to him. More in space. A burst of speed. A place down for Purdue. He's still going. More. Touchback. Touchdown. It is intercepted. Bailey the other way. Marcus Bailey. This is day September 18th, and you're listening to another edition of the Boiler Breakdown Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts, Tanner Lee, and with me, as always, is Evan Webb and Andrew Eiler. Boys, what's going on? It's Wednesday. How you doing, Tan? Well, I could be a lot better. Uh, still trying to get over the... Uh, I don't even know what to call it. We call it the debacle in the desert against Nevada. I don't know what to call this one. Uh, a beatdown. I don't know. Just straight up beatdown at the hands yeah, of the Yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought it was going to be a tough game for Purdue, but I still thought Purdue would come out victorious, even when we were recording last Tuesday when we all thought it was going to be Jack Plummer. Then we kind of got the sense it might be Elijah Sindelar. Well, then we got – or at least – I found out right when I got in the tailgate area that it was going to be Plummer and Sindelar yeah. was in street clothes. Then my confidence kind of went down. I don't know how you guys felt going into that game after you heard that news. Uh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Andrew. I, I, I knew it was obviously going to be much tougher, but um, I was still somewhat cautiously optimistic. I thought um, I knew it was going to be tough just with their strong kind of hear about their defensive line, kind of questionable how our offensive line was going to be able to handle. But um, – I kind of thought that Brom had a week to prepare. I know it's his first start, but I was kind of hoping they'd be a little more aggressive and just kind of let him sling it and see what would happen. But didn't have a whole lot of time, so it's kind of tough to tell what – tough to really do anything when Plumber's got one yeah, second to get rid of the ball. Yeah. My confidence kind of started to waver a little bit. <clears throat> I really probably think it was the day after we started, we recorded the last podcast because we found out that Bailey uh, hurt his knee and was out for the rest of the year in a non-contact drill, which generally means ACL or is one of those ligaments. So that made me worried because he, you know, you know, yeah, he is one guy, but he's the captain. He's kind of the quarterback of the defense. You know, we're still without Neil. Then Saturday we find out that this plumber starting and we find out Matt McCann's not playing. So then you've got your most experienced offensive lineman with a redshirt freshman quarterback. We found out Ahmad Anderson, no, Jared Sparks. Jared Sparks. Wasn't too, uh, I mean, receivers, they rotate out so much. That wasn't, we have a deal, but 
then you're worried about, okay, we don't have a running game and they've got two really good tackles and I wasn't great going into the game, but thought we still had a punch's chance. And even really going to the halftime, the fact that we were only down a score, I thought, okay, that's something, but we just could not move the ball. No, and looking at the stats, um, Jack Plummer in his Boilermaker debut uh, was 13 for 29 for 181 yards, one touchdown, and two picks. I honestly, before this is the first time I've looked at the box score from Saturday's game, I thought he threw more than 29 attempts. It sure felt like it. Yeah. And he got about 50 of those yards on the one play to Anderson when they scored the touchdown. And yep. then another one on Hopkins when Hopkins yep. broke the tackle and set up like half. Second, yeah. yeah, second yeah. field goal. That 50, I think that was the 53 yarder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still go back to <clears throat> early in the game when uh, Purdue got the interception from George Karloftis. And I think this was the same drive. If not, it was the next drive. And uh, Rondell Moore dropped one. First, it was that drive. That he could have at least got the first down. If not, maybe make <clears throat> like this and touchdown. If Purdue scores and gets seven points there instead of three, do you guys think we see a different game? Maybe, maybe not different outcome maybe tcu still wins but you think we see a more competitive game i think so i think so i mean you, you go down you know you throw an interception then you get down a score your, your your game plan definitely changes you know only down three you can you know you're not kind of uh, your back's not against the wall as much i guess as you know because then they're thinking okay this is a high-powered offense we're already down seven nothing we gotta you know catch we almost playing playing catch up at that point and yeah it was a disappointing day for rondale all around Mm-hmm. Well, they they shut him down. I thought they yeah. had a good game plan on him. Um, really, all the wide receivers were struggling to win the one on one battles. It was just it was just a rough day for Purdue's offense overall. And once again, nothing from the run game. Uh, the leading rusher was King De, uh, King Daru, who had uh, twenty seven yards on eleven carries. He also had Xander Horvath ten yards on four carries. Jackson and Anthrop two yards on one carry, which we'll talk about him in a little bit. Rondell Moore. Uh, Zero yards on one carry, and then it says Plummer had seven carries for a uh, loss of four yards, but that's, of course, with sacks in, in yes. consideration. Uh, <clears throat> Man, it's just I, I've I've never seen Purdue's run game this bad. I mean, they are 128th in the nation in rushing out of 130 Division One teams. Mm-hmm. Who's behind us? Tex- I know Texas State is. I do not know the other team. I couldn't believe it that there was two teams behind. Yeah. Purdue. As Purdue, what's the what's Purdue's highest rushing total in the game? 31, 32? <laughs> I think against Nevada we had 80 some, I think, or 90 some, because Horvath had 60 some. Yeah. Okay. So, but just hasn't been good. Um, and I I don't know if it's gonna get any better. I mean, yeah, I, I think, think so. <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of it starts up with the big the big uglies up front. Five yeah. offensive linemen who are just really struggled on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean the only one that seemed like he didn't struggle too much was uh, Grant Hermans, who uh, him along with uh, Mike McCann, Jeff Brom said tonight on the radio show are far above all the rest of the linemen. Then the other three and the second streeners are pretty close. That's scary. That's real scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we actually have uh, we had a few questions from some knuckleheads. Uh, this week, um, and they're kind of all over the place, but we'll get into them. Uh, this one's from uh, username Big Time at sixty nine. 
I like that name. Uh, he has three questions. Uh, one, should Rondell Moore be taken off punt return or even special teams altogether? <laughs> Two, is it time to replace Alex Criddle with Washington? Criddle experiment seems to be not going very well. And three, ride the king until Fuller comes back. Thoughts? Don't as, worry, as far as Rondell on punt and kick return, um, I'm kind of torn. I really don't like seeing him all that much back there just because he is so valuable as a weapon on offense and having him play every down rather than – but then again, he's so dangerous as a punt return man, it could change the game. I guess it kind of depends, but um, I'd be okay if he wasn't returning punts just because, I mean, it seems like – I don't know. I think someone mentioned it during the TCU game that opposing punters have just dominated Purdue. Yes, they have. Haven't had a chance anyway. It's putting him back on the goal line. I mean, he's not going to have much opportunity to do anything anyway. It's like, why risk getting him hurt when uh, I'm okay with him not being back there? It produced a return game. Both kick and punt has been just horrific. Uh, Uh It's like anytime they do have a decent return, it's it's called back for a holding. Um, Jeff Brom did say that there was a question tonight about – why Rondell is fair catching so many kick kickoffs. Well, he has been instructed if he catches one between the five and the goal line to fair catch it. Which so, I forgot yeah. the rule. If you fair catch it within what the well, yeah, teen, you can, it's a touchback, which I did not know that. Cause I remember he did that once. I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, right. I forgot that's well, a rule. He, he had one. I don't know where he caught it from on a kickoff. Probably must've been around the five. I don't think it was in the end zone. And he got to like the nine. Yeah, I was like, I, wasn't that after? Was that? Like, wasn't that after they had a penalty and they actually moved it back, and then we tried to I, do it again? I don't. Yeah, I, I, don't I have no idea, but I, I was shocked at how quickly he caught it and already had guys like, is that yeah. that, that high of a kick, or was our blocking just that bad? I mean, obviously on TV you don't see that. With I mean, everything's watching Rondale. You don't see that half of the field to see what's going on. But I was just like, what the heck? He's like pinned inside the ten. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it and uh, I mean, we we also have another uh, uh, knucklehead that kind of asked a special teams question. This comes from Boiler NYC. I've seen him uh, very active on the boards. Why have special teams been such a disaster? When was the last time we actually tried to block a punt? Uh, when Tony Levine left, that's the last time we were good. Oh, <laughs> special teams has not been very aggressive. No. They haven't been creative yet this year. We haven't seen any double reverse attempts or anything like that or fakes. Um, and I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't, I think I read this last week in the game notes. Uh, this is just a random fact. The last time Purdue's blocked a punt for a touchdown in a game was the season debut against, uh, Northern Colorado in 2008. That's the last time Purdue's blocked a punt for a touchdown. 2008. Was the last time they returned a punt or a kick? 2009 was the last time they returned a punt, and that was against uh, Northern Illinois, Aaron Valentine. So I, 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 Valentine I, I literally I just read all this last week. I'm not just pulling it off the top of my head. <laughs> and then the kick return was Raheem Mostert returned one at Penn State. Um, NFL running back. Yeah, he's ripping it up for the Niners. Yeah. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. So, uh, I I don't know why I don't know why the special teams have been a disaster, but they've been terrible. I mean, not not 
necessarily a kicking game. Dillinger was actually one of the bright spots Saturday night. He hit that 53 yarder. I didn't think he could hit a 45 yarder. No, I mean, that thing was that thing made it easily. I don't know if he was jacked up because it was a night game or he is really worked out because I thought everything that we'd heard was that okay, he's not nearly as strong as Spencer Evans, but I mean, he's he's been kicking off the back of the end zone. I mean, Uh, he's been good. He started to gain my trust a little bit. Um, and then uh, Cormier's – he's a freshman punter. You're going to have your upside <laughs> with him. But as far as the return game, yeah, it's just been ugly. It has just not been good. And hopefully they fix that over the, this bye week and getting uh, prepped for Minnesota because, I mean, we have one of the most electrifying, if not the most electrifying player in college football, and we can't use him very well in special teams. It's very frustrating. Yeah, I've been ever since the season started. I've been a big fan of getting him the hell off the field when it comes to punt returns, just because I don't want him to get hurt. Kick returns, I'm it's eh, I'm indifferent about because a lot more blocking. Um, I say on punt returns, put Jackson back there, and he's reliable. He did it two years ago. I thought he did a good job. Halftime, it was most time it was like it was a fair catch, anyways, and he would catch it. But yeah, I, I'm not a fan of Rondell back there on punt returns. And going back to um, big time at 69's other question, uh, what do you think about replacing Alex Criddle with Washington? I don't know. I mean, is it too early? We're only three games in. Is it too early to mess with the ro- the rotation or the starting lineup of, for the offensive line? Or I don't know. I mean, he's a starter for a reason. And that's yeah, it's, just, it's just scary that he used to play defensive line. Now he's yeah. starting on the offensive line. But yeah. Um, I mean, who was it? There was wasn't uh, Kevin Pamphil. Yep, he played defensive line for Purdue and then got two years. Yep, yeah, and then he's been with was it the Buccaneers on the offensive line and now he's with the Titans. Yep, yeah, but I mean, he switched from offensive line. I mean, he's in the NFL, but yeah, I think it's a little different. But I I don't know that much, I guess, about offensive line and I don't know the. I mean, I know that can you can look bad because of someone else's assignments. So I don't know how much of that is him versus just miscommunications on the line. But yeah, the offensive line is one group. X and O's wise, I just don't know much about because there's so much that goes into it that the average fan doesn't even realize. Like no. myself, like I just, I just, so I can't even really comment on it. But I, I wouldn't mind a, more of a rotation from the offensive line. And, and they got to, and Jeff Brom said tonight on the radio show, they got to play more physical against Minnesota. They have to win that line of scrimmage battle. He said, we weren't very physical most of the game against TCU, and that just can't be. So that was one of his keys for getting better in, in within the run game is just getting more aggressive with the run blocks because he just feels like we haven't been very aggressive. I mean, I think it was also the offensive line was kind of set up with. Pretty set up, put in a bad position because I mean TCU kind of knew okay they've got redshirt freshman first career start probably going to be conservative they can just kind of tee off and I mean well, hopefully they don't have a run game either they can just yeah but I mean they know that we're not going there they weren't probably not that concerned about Plummer airing it out like Cinderella would have been so they they had they could cheat on the run basically because they knew everything was going to be close to the line of scrimmage I mean short passes or runs up the middle and. Scary thing was they were getting to him with like a three man, four man rush. That was a scary thing. And you had what seven to eight people just sitting back there, just waiting for the pass. That's what was frustrating. Is yeah, it's they were getting through him with no problem. I know they had two future 
NFL defensive tackles yeah. on their line, but still, it's three man <laughs> rush. You feel like you can at least give your quarterback enough time to make something happen, and it just wasn't the case. But speaking of the run game, all these other questions that we have here relate to the run game. Uh, big time at 69. Like I said, he just commented, ride the king until Fuller comes back. Boiler NYC said, why was the playing call so play calling so conservative versus TCU? I understand we had a freshman, Richard freshman making his first start, but no Rondale in the run game and runs up the middle for short yardage. We're clearly not working. And then I believe this username is Hosta01. I appreciate I I uh, apologize if I got your username wrong. Does the news of Jackson Anter playing in the backfield make you feel better about the running back position? Does this move make you think Fuller may miss more than another game or two? Good question. Um, I'm all aboard riding the King Daru train until Fuller's back. I mean, I feel he's a freshman. I mean, I, I like Horvath. Um, I think I think you can definitely use him in some spots, but I mean, you, re- you recruited Daru for a reason. Um, let him get some experience while he can. Um, the I think the play I think I think you and I talked about this at the game on Saturday. I think the play calling was a lot more conservative and more we as we as you put it, the game kind of dumbed down just because mm-hmm. because of the fact that we had a freshman back there who probably didn't know all the ins and outs like like Sindelar has, who's been in the program with Brom for three years. So I feel like that was probably and they just don't want to overwhelm them. I feel like with in that situation. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought <clears> that, <throat> but then I also thought well, Plummer was in the system last year. Yeah, um, and then did he, did he graduate early too? Did he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's been there almost two years. And, and yeah. Braun made a comment: it doesn't matter what quarterbacks in our offense should still be able to move the ball. Yeah, um, I actually thought Jeff Braun got out coached. Um, yeah. I mean Gary Patterson, uh, he's a brilliant defensive mastermind, and mm-hmm. I thought they just had a good game plan and mm-hmm. our, our play calling just, just yeah. wasn't working. I mean, even sure, the trick, sure. the, the trick play was horrible execution, which. Mm-hmm. Jack should have threw that ball away. <laughs> he should have tried to a flea telegraphing that the yeah. entire way. He yeah. was telegraphing that And I think that, that was the problem was he was keying in on one or two. I feel like he wanted to go to Rondale all the time, but then that wasn't working. So then I feel like you know his security blanket wasn't there and threw to Hopkins a few times. He made Hopkins and more. Hopkins Hopkins. made some plays. Yeah, yeah. he was a bright spot. Was, I think he ended yeah. up yeah. 75 yards. But I think he was just if option one wasn't there, maybe option two. But then by that point, he was either had to run it or was getting sacked. So I think it was just, it was just a. I mean, we say a bad situation, but really there was probably no good situation to throw him in there aside for maybe Nevada or Vanderbilt, just because. I mean, if he doesn't start this path, I think it's starting, starting in the Big Ten. I mean, Big Ten defenses are are no slouch either. So it's kind of just baptism by fire, and he definitely learned a lot from it, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he has a start under his belt now. I, I got to wonder if if the outcome would have been different or at least more competitive if Elijah would have made a start. I mean, I know our line played terrible, but Elijah's got that quick release and that cannon. And, and of course, he's going to know the offense a little better, just or, or at least feel probably a little more comfortable. And he's been through the fire. He's been through big games. Um, I think there just would have been more of a threat. I mean, Plummer had some deep balls, but I, I feel like Brom talked about taking more deep shots. And, I mean – just that threat in itself. I mean, okay, the safeties now have to stay back a little bit more, can't play as aggressive down on the run or some of the short passes. And then, okay, and then Rondo catches a quick screen or a swing pass out, and he's got actually has some space and can make someone miss instead of having the safeties and the DB right there on him already. And 
So what what are your guys' thoughts about Jackson Anthrop playing both running back and wide receiver? I mean, he he was really good at high school at Lafayette Central Catholic. I like it. He's athletic. I'm all for giving people more chances at it. I mean, I like King. I want him to – I mean, I want him to definitely see some, but, I mean, I feel like he he hasn't busted anything out like I kind of would have hoped. I mean, for being his good athlete, and I know they talked about during camp that he might be one of the fastest players on the team. Um. I like Horvath. I mean, he runs hard and he finishes, but he needs a little bit of – needs to get ahead of steam, it seems like. And when there's no holes to begin with, he's not yeah. – I mean, and, nobody's going to yeah. do much. But. And, and Xander's really struggling receiving. Um, yeah. We try to give him the ball at least two times a game, it seems like, on a screen. And he either doesn't catch it or if he does, he just doesn't get anywhere. It's, it takes him a while to turn up field and get going. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I'm fine with the Jackson Anthrop news. I mean, I'm – you know, I, I thought that was a way we could we could kind of – for uh, get around the run game was those quick passes down the line to him and Rondale and some of the shiftier guys. So I don't mind having him in the backfield, but what's it, what's it tell you about Hewitt? I believe that's his name. The yeah. other freshman running yeah. back. He must not be ready. Yeah. That's, that's all it tells me is yeah, he's just not there yet. Which I, mean, he, I thought he had some injuries a little bit in camp too. I mean, he was a little nicked up this fall, so maybe he's just a little behind with the playbook and conditioning, but yeah. And, uh, uh, Back to the questions about Fuller. Uh, Jeff Brom said on the radio tonight that he lost a bunch of weight, of course, because he couldn't, couldn't eat, eat too much. With the uh, it's going to take him a while to get his weight back, and there's still a ways away. So I wouldn't look – I don't think he's no. just going to miss the Minnesota game or the Penn State game. It, it's going to be yeah. a little while still. And, and speaking of injuries, last night after practice, he gave an update on pretty much everybody's injuries. David Bell, they're hoping to have back for Minnesota. He just landed on his shoulder wrong. He's did not practice today, but he's going through rehab real hard. Uh, Matt McCann, he said he expects to have him back for Minnesota. Elijah's still in concussion protocol, which he said Elijah actually passed all his tests last week, okay. then had a, had a setback on Thursday. It wasn't feeling well, um, but so he's still back in protocol. Uh, Jared Sparks, ankle, he said he's not optimistic at all for Minnesota. Going to be a while. Lorenzo Neal was practicing today, limited, but he was back at practice. They are they are they are targeting Penn State with him, which I was really hoping Minnesota, but that's good that they're getting towards that. And then, um, am I missing anybody else for injury? Oh, Fuller, of course, a ways away. Worship. I mean, did he say anything? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I honestly don't think we're ever going to see Richie again. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know. It's been a year and a half. And his knees. Is it, I, I, it felt like longer. I think. Well, he did it against that Northwestern game, which is actually the same game Elijah did it. That was the game Richie did it. Yeah, you know, at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. So, but um, did anybody stand out to you? We kind of went all over the offense. Offense that Hopkins was a bright spot in the offense. Really, the only one. How about defense? Did anybody stand out to you at all on defense Saturday night? Big George. George, um, I thought Barnes played pretty well, at least early. Um, Mel Jones, I thought, looked pretty good early. Um, I don't know. And then after that, the defense kind of just got steamrolled, it seemed like. Did you guys, realize ben, did you guys realize ben Holt had 17 tackles? Did not. Yeah, I feel like every time he he, I feel like he was just hanging on to the running back. He was just hitting the guy and getting drugged another five he yards. Was dragged. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought the running backs dragged all of our defenders around. Yeah, everybody. 
Whenever uh, it looked like they were getting stuff for like a one-yard loss, one-yard gain, it's like all of a sudden he fell forward. There's six yards. I thought the tackling was really poor overall. Even the whole had 17, which is, this, I think, the most since somebody had 20 in 97 against Iowa. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought this was the worst tackling performance uh, Purdue defense has had in a couple of years. It, it was just mm-hmm. sloppy. Miss, miss uh, assignments, miss gaps. I mean, just ugly, ugly. Um, Cornell Jones, I noticed a couple times, just was slow with his steps. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought George had a good game. Of course, got his first career interception. Had a, I think one sack, a mm-hmm. um, couple tackles for losses. I mean, the guy just goes one hundred percent all times, and the coaching staff has nothing but praise for him. And I think he's going to be a pretty legend when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely feeling the effects of the loss of Marcus Bailey already. Oh, they're, yeah. miss, they're missing the downhill guy, which there was a couple plays he would have been right there and probably could have helped uh, minimize the game. Yeah, it would have been interesting if they could have gotten some more stops running. I mean, TCU was for as bad. I mean, I, I hadn't looked at their passing stats. I just knew it felt like every time they threw, it was just like, thank God, like. They dropped them. They dropped some. Yeah, that's so many drops. I mean, I mean, their quarterbacks didn't really impress me. But they had a yes, they had a ton of drops. I mean, I see the eight of twenty-four for seventy-five yards. I mean, they didn't have to throw. No, I don't know why they were. When they did. It was like it was like third and four, and they passed. It was like thank you, like you're getting yeah. angry. Throw yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah, know they why were, they threw. They, yeah, they only had seventy-five yards. Uh, that Dudgeon was seven for eighteen, mm-hmm. and Elton was one for six. But yeah, they're they're running backs. Anderson had 16 carries for 179 yards, two touchdowns, and uh, Olana Lua, or I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. He had 18 carries for a 106 and a touchdown. I mean, just domination on the ground. I mean, it's yeah. Felt, yeah it we felt like we were watching a Wisconsin game. Yeah, which makes me Wisconsin pretty exactly. game from like four <laughs> years ago. Heck, from last year, Jonathan. Yeah. 300 last year. He's gonna do it again this year. Good lord. He's run for 500 this year, <laughs> especially if he's in the Heisman race. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm usually not a fan of the of the early bye week, but I'm really glad Purdue's on a bye. It's time to get some of these guys healthy. It's time to regroup, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's this is a must win against Minnesota now. All of a sudden, yeah, it reminds me a lot of um, like in basketball. Usually around that that December point, you kind of get a little bit of a break. <laughs> I feel that's where our basketball team really turned around last year was after that uh, Notre Dame Crossroads Classic game. We kind of had a little time off, got to actually practice things. It's so hard to to actually practice uh, week to week between games because you're so focused on the next game. But I feel like so this body was going to give us a chance to actually practice and kind of read and kind of relearn some things or tweak some things. So, yeah, really probably couldn't come at a better time right now. And it's time, you know, going into your fourth game. It's time to figure out your kind of your rotations. Yep. Um, I mean, I think they're kind of. I mean, you you get the four game rule now for redshirting, where somebody can play up to four games still redshirt. But I think they're kind of done with the experiments, probably for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we'll we'll preview the Minnesota game next week on uh, our podcast next week. So, um, any other thoughts from Saturday's game at all? It's cool to see Ross State packed. Um, largest uh, non-conference crowd since Notre Dame in 2013. Yeah, 2013? Yeah. yeah. Which that game, that was a game where, was that when 
Turbush threw a pick ref. No, that was, that was, no, that was, that was no. yeah. yeah, you're right. Yep, never mind. It was it was, uh, it was actually Purdue got up ten at one point and, and they hung in there all game and lost by ten, I believe. But it was on uh yeah, ABC national television and uh yeah, Purdue's, cool. Purdue's gonna have to wait another year, at least another year, to try to win their first night game against a powerified non conference opponent. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was cool to see uh fans excited. Um, flyover was awesome. The the new additions they've added to Ross Aid from the ribbon board to even just the little things here and there with the intro and fireworks on the national anthem for a yeah, national anthem um, just makes it feel like big time football. Whereas a couple of years ago it was we were lucky to have forty thousand people there. Yeah, I, I sure I sure hope there's another good crowd uh, next week. It's three thirty kickoff, which I love three thirty kickoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that's the perfect time slot. It's ESPN or ESPN two. It's a Big Ten opponent. It's undefeated Minnesota. It's a coach we kind of have some beef with. with PG Flex. That. They've scraped by oh, every single yeah. game. That's why. Yeah. I, I, no. <laughs> Georgia. They, yeah. Georgia Southern last week, right? Is that who? Okay. Yep, we, Georgia Southern, Fresno well, State, and uh, South Dakota State, I believe. Yes. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hopefully the crowd shows up. But uh, question for you have in particular since you were there, and you can chime in too as well, Andrew. But uh, I don't like when they play shout when you're just getting Religion. destroyed. I, yeah. And I understand, you know, yeah. you have to do it, you know, because it's tradition. But I stood there and did not participate. Yeah, I, I as soon as I started playing, I was like, why are we doing this? Like it, I mean, it Who did it? Who was it? Oh, it was uh, Ryan Klein and Grady Eifert. I was hoping it would be Carson because yeah. he was back because it's mm-hmm. the thing Big Ten Championship rings. But, I saw that. Yeah, um, yeah, it was Klein and Eifert, which was cool. Um, the winningest two players in Purdue basketball history. Yeah, that's, which if if we have another good year this year, Tommy Loose could become the <laughs> all time winningest. I'm not kidding you. That'd be only, awesome. Only, only right. No, but yeah, I hate it. I'm not a fan of shout, anyways. Uh, I'm tired um, of it, especially if if Oregon if it if it if it originated in Oregon, that really ticks me off. Yeah, I didn't know that. I saw I didn't watch it. But I saw a viral apparently a video went viral from them. It just feels like we're just trying to be uh jump jump around at Camp Randall, which no one's ever going to be that. Um, so yeah, I don't know, do something different. I know Tanner, you and I were talking to one of our friends, um, and they mentioned uh. Uh, quad CDJ is coming around the train. I love that song. That's a great, great song. It's a great in between quarter song. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it just reminds. I just keep thinking back, and especially that game, like the Hazel years and the some of the hope hand of hope years were like we're down 30, 30 points. And we're Nobody's there. One's yeah. there, and it's just yeah. This it's every opposing team, every opposing crowd, like the, the opposing teams dancing, the opposing crowds dancing, and the Purdue fans are sitting there miserable. This this felt like a Hazel game, unfortunately. Yeah, and yeah. I, I went on record after the game, and I think I told your dad this, Evan, after the game. I, I said I thought it was Jeff Brown's worst loss at home, but then my oh, dad yeah. argued my dad argued the Eastern Michigan, but I said at least that game was competitive. I know yeah. we really got upset, but we just got throttled this game. I mean, yeah, we, we, we weren't even competitive aspect. in the second half. Yeah, I would agree with you that. Um, Eastern Michigan sucked, but you know you had the – Weather elements to which I mean they were playing it too, but again, like you said, it was competitive at least. But this we just got just run out of the stadium, <laughs> literally run out of the yeah. stadium. I mean, halftime. I know it was only a seven point game, but it felt like it was forty. Oh yeah, I felt very um, thankful that it was only seven points. Um, but uh, Purdue's got to wait till twenty thirty 
for their trip trip down to Fort Worth to get some revenge. So. 2030. 2030. Might be in the same conference by then. Oh, God. <laughs> the NCAA probably won't be around. sure we're playing football in 2030. I feel pretty good. We're not we're not doing a UConn podcast right now. So. Oh, no, not us. Not us. <laughs> just, yeah. Oh, just a sport in general. Just football yeah. in general. Be two-hand touch by then. Yeah, well, the NFL's well on its way to flag football. So, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, we're not going to talk about roughing the past. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to talk about that. I, I've already done a podcast on that. Um, yeah, let's, let's put this game behind us. Let's not talk about it for a while. And, uh. Let's move on. So, uh, hey, positive news. Purdue got a wide receiver commit out of that. Yeah. Saturday night from uh, Brownsburg. Originally from Columbus North, and he transferred yep. to Brownsburg. He had the interest that you, you, you would expect from Kentucky, Louisville. Um, gosh, there were some other – yeah, I think like Cincinnati. Notre Dame uh, showing some interest too. Yeah, he's trying to get some of the bigger schools' interest, or quote unquote bigger. Um, I mean, wide receiver's not our problem. We need some big. I know. No, and, but I get it, and I get that. Yeah. But I, I, I saw some people responding to we we shared the commitment. Like, what about an O line recruit? It's like, yeah, I know. You I can't did. make anyone commit. Like the kid wanted to commit, so I'm happy he wants to commit. It, um, it is hard to get O line recruits. Good luck getting an O lineman. If they're any good out of Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin, because right. they're going to those or Nebraska, yeah. they're going to those schools. Right. It's like I mean, if you're a big time O lineman and you get you have an offer from Purdue, Minnesota, Wisconsin, or like you said, Iowa, chances are going to one of those three schools because those are their pipeline in the NFL. Yep. Um, Wisconsin's yeah. a dream school for linemen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, just like Purdue can be a dream school for quarterbacks and maybe even wide receivers under Jeff yeah. Brom. I mean, defensive ends. So, yeah. Yeah. Den of defensive ends. So it's, it's frustrating. I mean, Tiller did a good job taking tight ends from high school and converting them, putting some weight on them and converting them into linemen. Danny hoped did that a few times too, but um, I, I don't know. I think the staff will figure it out, mm-hmm. but this is definitely their one loophole in recruiting that they're struggling with. And it's, it's going to be a little while. The, the line's going to be the last one because he said, I mean, we're not going to get the, the top guys that are NFL offensive linemen that you clearly can tell, okay, year two in college, like they're going to be the best offensive linemen. It's going to be development. So you've got guys. So now it's year three. So Brown's had two rec- two offensive line recruiting classes there. So he's got fresh, true freshmen and redshirt freshmen. So realistically, they probably need, Sweet. If you look at, there was someone on the Same. board on on Knucklehead Central posted <clears throat> the two deep for I think it was Wisconsin, Minnesota, and I think maybe in Iowa. I can't remember. But if you look at all the all the pretty much everybody in their two deep, or most majority, maybe except for a hand a couple like one or two were in year three of the program, whereas Purdue like half of ours were less than three years or something like that. It was crazy. Like mm-hmm. I feel like Brom is just he's been able to patchwork <clears throat> with with grad transfers the last two years, which he we didn't get one this year, which it happens. I mean, you can't get everybody to come. Um, I just feel like, yeah, he just finally just, it kind of caught up to us where he's been able to, like I said, kind of patch some holes. But sometimes I'll be interested to see what it looks like next year, really, because that's when you've got okay, he'll be. I, th- I think he's brought in what, like eight offensive linemen in the last two classes. So that'll be the first class that okay, they'll be redshirt sophomores. They've been here for going on three years. Yeah. yeah. What happens then? I mean, if they can develop them. Yeah. yeah, no, I I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, let's let's talk about some uh, basketball recruiting. Yes, Go for it, Webby. Yep, it's all you, man. <laughs> no, we had a 
So we had some news come out today regarding Purdue Bass recruiting. Um, for those who have been following along, there's really been really only three three recruits that we've been going after that that Painter's made a priority, and it's been for the power forwards power forward center position. Um, you could argue, I mean, pretty clear what the order is in terms of priority, and it's kind of gotten a little bit muddy over the last couple of weeks. But we had number one, probably Hunter Dickinson, seven two center from Dematha, Maryland. I think he's in Maryland, right? Yes, Maryland. Yep. Yeah, um, kind of been on him for a long time. Um, he's still, I think he's got one more visit to Florida State this weekend. There's been some reports saying, you know, something could come after that in, in terms of a commitment from somewhere. Sounds like Purdue's in a really great spot, but you never know. I mean, top 40 player, you never know. With I hate that. when I hear that Purdue's in a great spot. Right, yeah. <laughs> Look but, at you, Lee Hall. Um, uh, in two or 1A, probably 1A, 1B with this one is um, Ryan Kalkbrenner, who I feel like we offered pretty late in the game in terms of like compared to Dickinson, which we've been on since probably day one. I thought he was always to lose, and they screwed it up. Yeah, they, yeah something happened there. He's from St. Louis, 6'11" real skinny kid uh, where Hunter's more probably, you know, ready day one. Kalkbrenner might need a little more time to develop kind of like reminds me a lot of Haas. Great defensive player. Um, doesn't need to showcase his offensive ability much, at least on his AAU team. So uh, it sounds like he's got a nice shot to him, but he's more, he'd probably be better on defensive end right now. Um, whereas Dickinson's probably a more complete player for the most part. Um, he visited, uh, last week, not this past weekend, for the uh, but for the Vanderbilt game, he was here with uh 2021 recruit Trey Kaufman from Silver Creek, Indiana, also with um Jaden Ivey and Ethan Morton, who are both 2020 commits already. So it was good to have those guys on campus then. Um, he just visited Creighton this past weekend. Sounds like something's coming real soon with him. Um, there were a couple reports that. His family was telling schools to let us give us a week, you know, no contact, no visits, whatever. Sounds like a, you know, he just got an offer from Kansas. So I know that made a lot of Purdue fans nervous, you know, when the big boys come calling, especially something like that. Um, Cause before it had been kind of looked at as Purdue Creighton and Stanford, which he's apparently a super smart kid wants to do engineering and forget basketball. When you're going against Stanford and academics, it's kind of, I mean, you pick Stanford really when it comes to that, but I feel like, when it comes to like, okay, if you're looking at basketball standpoint, Kansas was the best option. Looking at school, Stanford's the best option. If you're looking at a combination of both, I think Purdue is by far the best option out of any of them. Um, sounds like we've got a good chance there. Again, hate hearing that too, but we'll see. And then the third one, power forward, uh, Ben Carlson out of Minnesota, um, was kind of definitely the third priority. You could tell just by the way the staff, and he probably knew that too, because um, he just went into Wisconsin today, which <coughs> makes me mad because he's a He's a he's a fit in great there, which is going to suck for the next three to four years probably. Um, he's a typical Wisconsin. Death, he'll be there for four years for sure. Um, kind of a six eight, six nine kid, real smart, can shoot pretty well. But yeah, it was. I liked him a lot, but it was. I mean, I'd rather have one of the other two guys. I feel like I mean, it really either either position we're going to have a log jam, but I'll take a top seventy player. And yeah, we we might know uh, by this time next week. Uh, Domna might have fallen, and we might yeah. we might know more. Hopefully, yep. So it's 
kind of the last one for that class, which even if we don't get them, it's very possible we don't get any all, any of the three, um, which is a very real possibility, which would suck. But, I mean, you can always – the 2021 class is loaded, so you can always bank that scholarship for someone else. We're in pretty well with a lot of good players for 2021. So that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. If everyone wants more recruiting information, subscribe to Golden Black. They do a phenomenal job. That's a lot of the information that we get is from there. So if not all of it. So I suggest people do that because Brian Newbert and the staff do a tremendous job. Yes, they do. And, um, and really the, and even the access you get from being a member that some of the national and Midwest rivals mm-hmm. guys put on, for instance, uh, they did a, I think it was today or yesterday, a recap of Malik Carr's uh, visit at Purdue, yep. which sound like it went good. Like everybody expected. Yep. I still think Purdue's in a great spot and expect a commitment on October 11th from him over Georgia, which would be great. So yeah, we got another possible recruit for football, Bryce Austin. It's not like they're going to probably announce on the same day. I think they're, they're pretty good friends. So we could get a double whammy on the same day. That'd be cool. Um, but it sounds like there might even be some more. Usually we were for a long time. It was looked at those. Those were the only two guys left really, but it sounds like there might be a couple more here and there. There's a might... linebacker from like Georgia that yeah. made his final six. Cause he decommitted from Colorado. Yep. So Parker, I think his name is Jalen Parker. Yep. You yep. got it. Yep. yep. So, so we'll see. So keep tabs on that. Circle October 11th on your calendars, Boiler fans. So could be a good day. So yeah. Oh, you guys want to pick some games before we sure. wrap this up? Uh, all right. Let's see what we got in the Big Ten this week, and even top 25. Uh, we got Connecticut at Indiana. <laughs> Nice to see Indiana go from playing Ohio State to another powerhouse. <laughs> Indiana is a 27-point favorite. Who did UConn play in the Big Ten already? Illinois. They lost by a touchdown. Right. Illinois. What's, the yeah. What's the spread? 27. 27. 27. Yeah. I think Indiana wins. I don't think it's 27. I think it's maybe 20. I guess it depends on if Penix plays. I know he didn't play this last week against Ohio State. Wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> I wouldn't have. I watched that game actually. It was. I expected not, IU to compete. Close. I expected IU to compete for three quarters like they always do, and then kind of just always, as we've seen a lot with Purdue, is you kind of just you know get gassed in the fourth quarter and just can't hold up. But that from the kickoff, it was all Ohio State. Ohio State seems good. I hate to say, it. I thought they were going to take a step back this year, but. No, they're rolling right now. They look uh, very determined. But last year they slipped up against us. The year before they slipped up at Iowa. So, yep. But uh, I think IU wins twenty-one, not twenty-seven. Uh, yeah. If Penix plays, then yeah, IU's gonna win. They'll win big. I think Indiana wins easily, but I'm kind of with you, Evan. I think maybe like they win by like twenty-four, but not quite by twenty-seven. So, uh, interesting matchup here. You got Boston College. Who is two and one at one and one Rutgers? East Coast powerhouses. There's no spread on it as of right now for some reason. I don't know. Boston College still has that stud running back, right? Yeah, that you uh, what is his name? Dylan? Wasn't yeah, AJ, AJ yeah. Dylan. And haven't heard much about him lately. Yeah. So <clears throat> I can never believe in Rutgers, so I've got to go with Boston College. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing about either team, but I bet Boston College. I don't. I don't know that much about Rutgers, but it's it's Rutgers. I mean, I'm going to say Boston College wins by two two scores. Yeah, I'm going Boston College by double digits. <laughs> um, 
I think this will be a good game, and this is a game both of these programs need already early in the season. Michigan State coming off a disappointing loss to Arizona State at Northwestern. Hmm. Both of these offenses has, have looked like trash. So, yeah, so they're going to be a very uh, game. Because yeah. like both have solid defenses and their offenses have been very underwhelming. So, I feel like it's going to be a just a rock fight. <laughs> um, oh, man, that's a tough one. I, 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 MSU favored by nine and a half. Ooh, yes. okay. So, I, I shouldn't do this. But I always, I still consider Northwestern as like, Northwestern, like Rutgers, I shouldn't because even Pat, though they won the West by three, yeah, games right, exactly. <laughs> Patrick Jones has done wonders for that program, and he's a great coach. Um, I think Michigan State gets it done. I don't think they cover. There's I'm, always I'm just, crazy yeah. games in this series. It's always yeah. a nuts mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Michigan State, and they say they cover. I mean, their defense is so good, and I have more faith in. What's that? How do you say their quarterback's name? Lewerke. Lewerke, yeah. Lewerke, then uh, Hunter Johnson. Yeah, Hunter Johnson's been really underwhelming so far. Um, to he, looked better. he looked better last week, but UNLV. Yeah, they're playing UNLV. I mean, Mountain West powerhouse there, which, I okay, I'm not going to bring up Mountain West. All right, when, <laughs> when UNLV whoops Nevada here. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't have said anything. I'm going to take the Wildcats at home in the upset. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to differ from you guys, so. We'll, we'll circle around on that one. Uh, this is the game of the week as far as the Big Ten is concerned. It's part of Fox's new strategy of putting a great game at noon. Uh, number 11, <laughs> Wisconsin at number 13 – or no, number 11, Michigan at number 13, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, big big game for both teams. Yeah. Um. <laughs> can, can Harbaugh finally win a big one? No, I hope not. <laughs> I'm taking Wisconsin. Camp Brown's going to be rocking for that game. Um, yeah, I think Badger get it done. He said three and a half. Yeah, I think they cover that. I think it's. I think they win by a touchdown, less than ten points. So I think by 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 a touchdown. Uh, I think Wisconsin wins. I think it's going to be really low scoring, like 21, 17, 21. 17-14, I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. I don't think either team gets in the 30s. I'm just yeah. not a big Shea Patterson believer. I just don't mm-hmm. think he's got any better since he came from Ole Miss. Um, I actually like uh, I like McCaffrey better. I think he fits. I, I kind of like the dynamic he can bring to that offense. But I like Wisconsin at home. I think John, Jonathan Taylor is a difference maker here. But uh, what, what what's your guys' opinion of the this noon game strategy by Fox? Do you like it or or does it take away? I mean, this could have been a prime time in other years, this would have mm-hmm. been a prime time night game at Camp Randall. But you know, they're trying to get the high ratings because they think a lot more people watch games at noon and then also at night, but they don't watch them in the mid-afternoon, unless you're Notre Dame, I guess. Uh I, I kind of like the new I I agree with you, Tanner. I think this would be better as a night game. I think like prime time, I kind of like flipping back and forth between games at noon if Purdue's not playing and when there's mm-hmm. multiple games on rather than trying to stick and watch number 11 against number 13. Yeah. 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 There's so many games on at noon. So but at least they give you a good game now at noon, whereas a mm-hmm. lot of times the noon games aren't very good. So yeah. Like but that. in a couple, but in a couple weeks when we're in conference play, I mean, it'll be a lot more regular. There's going to be more, True. Five against Power Five that you'd say yeah. should be better games True. than Ohio State playing Miami of Ohio. 
Yeah, that was the next matchup I was getting to. So, uh, Ohio State's 39 and a half point favorites over the Red Hawks of Miami, Ohio. And Ben Roethlisberger's out for the season. It's not a good week to be a Miami, Ohio fan. Miami, Ohio leaves at halftime. <laughs> I would rather see this matchup in hockey because it'd be a really good matchup in hockey. Yeah, basketball, at least there's some Purdue ties in Miami, Ohio. Oh, Jack, you got, Jack. Yeah, there you go. Just the coach. I know they see it in basketball. Freaking Chris Holtman. <laughs> yeah, Ohio State. I'm gonna just say they cover. They're gonna kill. <laughs> I mean, I, I the only thing I would about betting the taking Ohio State in the points would be is like, is J.K. Dobbin and Fields are they gonna play in the second quarter? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but their backups are better than the starters on Miami, Ohio. So yeah, I mean, hey, Miami Ohio is one and two. Who'd they beat? TNTC. <laughs> Tennessee, uh, no, TNTC. Tennessee Tech. Oh, they're oh, not man. even Division One. so. All right. I didn't know they were a school. Oh, and then we got a nightcapper for the Big Ten. You got the Nebraska Cornhuskers, 13-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Illinois. I called it, boys. I called it that Eastern Michigan was going to beat Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know any about Illinois. I feel like they had a – Decent start, but then they kind of who did they lose to last week? Did they lose last week? Eastern Illinois or Eastern? Uh, oh, Michigan, duh. Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Michigan. Michigan. Who did they play the week before that? UConn, they won. Uh, that's right, yeah. And then they beat Akron before that. Yeah, Nebraska wins two touchdowns. Yeah, it's gonna be ugly. Nebraska wins this one pretty easily, I think. Is it? Where'd you say it was? Was it in Champagne? It's at, it's at Champagne, but that's not. Okay. The, it'll be it's half red. Be it'll be red. half red. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think Nebraska. Yeah, big. Adrian Martinez, big game. I got some top twenty-five matchups. We'll just go over a couple here before we uh, before we break. We got a decent Friday night game this week. I like when there's a good Friday night game. You got the number ten Utah Utes. I think one of the most underrated teams in the nation at USC. Underrated at ten, huh? I think I think their defense is so good. Um, it's just it's just a team that a lot of people might look at. They're ten. That's surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they definitely earned it. Um, <clears throat> USC needs a win. They had a tough loss against BYU. I think Clay Helton's already his seat's already really hot. Uh, Utah's three and a half point favorites. Uh, I'm taking Utah. They're going to cover. Just keeping that USC seat warm for Urban Meyer to come in next year. Uh, oh, I think it makes too much sense. Yep. Yep. Uh, no. I don't know anything about either of these teams, so I'll, I'm going to pick USC. I'm going with the upset. I'm going with the Utes. I like their defense. I like their quarterback. <clears throat> uh, their coach. Um, his name's escaping me, of course, right now. But he's a heck of a football coach. Um, starts with a W. Kyle. Uh, Winnington or something like Winnington. I don't know. Willington. I don't. I probably botched that. But uh, yeah, I'm going with Utah. Um, SEC matchup: Tennessee at number nine, Florida. Florida's a four, <laughs> Florida's a 14 point favorite. They, Only 14. Uh, yeah. Oh, I thought that'd be much higher than that. Florida almost lost at That's Kentucky true. last week. Mm-hmm. Probably should have. Man. I mean, Florida big. Yeah, I want to see Florida just <laughs> beat the crap out of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I really think uh, we're going to see Phil Fulmer, the active idea at Tennessee, be their coach at some point this year. Yeah. 
And yeah, he's the one cool. who he's the one who hired Sean Pruitt. He like forced so. himself into the AD position, anyways. Yeah, yeah forced yeah. himself into the coaching situation. It's a, tr- it's a dumpster fire down there, and it's all because of their fans. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Number four, LSU at Vanderbilt. Can Vanderbilt make our <laughs> win look really good? <laughs> LSU's a twenty-three and a half point favorite. I like LSU's quarterback. Oh, he's Burrow's yeah. stud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LSU large. I had a laugh today. Man. I had a laugh today. Colin Coward was interviewing Urban Meyer, and they were talking about Joe Burrow. And Colin Coward had no idea that he was at Ohio State for three years. Like he was asking Urban, like, "How'd you let this kid get out of Ohio State?" Urban goes, "He was on our team for three years. He just didn't beat out Dwayne Haskins, and he transferred." Colin Coward had no idea. Like, <laughs> good job to do your research there, bud. I hate Coward. Ah, uh, he's Damn. an idiot. Oh, boy. I like LSU to cover though. I, yeah. I, I, hope, I hope. Heck, was I hope it, Vanderbilt beats it was, them. It, was it in? It's in Vandy. Yep. Oh, Nashville. Okay. okay. Doesn't matter. Look what Georgia's fans did there. LSU's gonna do the same thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, we got two more games to go over here. Uh, number eight Auburn at number seventeen Texas A and M. A and M is a four point favorite. Interesting. College Station. Um. Auburn's three and and M's two and one. Jimbo Fisher really needs a, a big win early. Who did they lose to? Um, uh, who did they lose to? They lost to a really good team. Um, let me look. Uh, they lost to at Clemson, twenty four ten, week two. Can't fault them for that. <laughs> I would pick Auburn with the upset. I'm gonna take Auburn as well. I mean, they're they're good week week one against uh, Oregon. So yeah, little Auburn. They look they're just they're still running that track meet from last year. So. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'll go with the Aggies at home. I think uh, I don't. I think Jim. I mean, Jimbo's getting paid a hundred million dollars, or maybe <laughs> so maybe it's ninety. Huh? Maybe it's ninety million dollars, and this is the type of win he needs to get the program going, get getting back on track again. So taking the Aggies, and lastly. Uh, this is the game day game of the week. Uh, number seven, Notre Dame at number three, Georgia. The dogs are 14 point favorites. Love it. Yep. <laughs> cover. I don't think they'll cover. But, I think they will. But I'll, I I'll, hope they are. Yeah, but I don't think they'll cover. I think it'll be closer than that. It was a close game two years ago up at South Bend when uh, Jake Fromm kind of made a name up for himself mm-hmm. as a freshman. They barely escaped. I think they run. Notre Dame out of the stadium. Really? Yeah, yeah. I I am not a believer in uh, Ian Book. I, I I think he's got a lot of experience, but he has not proven anything with his deep throw ability downfield to me. I uh, that that seven eight yard those seven eight yard routes they are not going to work this week against that SEC speed in Georgia. I think, man, it's Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. Man, those are some good football teams up there at the top. It's it's going to be a fun, uh, fun, fun season to watch and see how it unfolds. But I like Georgia large. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I would like to see that, but I think it's going to be closer. Well, we will see. We be will a shame. be ashamed to see Notre Dame lose by 28 or something. And, and and hear all those fans get off the bandwagon and start getting their Indiana basketball gear out already. Because once they lose one game, they just oh, we can't win a championship, so might as well not even watch our team anymore. So, all right. Uh, any other closing thoughts before we wrap this uh, episode up? 
I think basketball practice starts next week. What are we? Jeez, 50, that early. 50 days out from the season, 49 days out. Uh, yeah, like yeah, it's it's yeah. There was a video that the Boilerball Twitter put out yesterday that made me want to run through a brick wall. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I got, I mean, I know we'll talk about it much more detail when it's closer to the season, but it's, it's kind of how I felt going in last year. I don't have a ton of expectations. I'm ready to just ride it out and see what happens. I'm excited. We can talk about that later. Yeah. But. Yeah. Web, Webby's got a countdown clock on his wall. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not lie. So, all right, boys. Well, uh, I don't really have any more closing thoughts either, but, uh, you know, we, we have no opponent to beat this week. So let's uh, boiler up, hammer down, get healthy. Beat the get healthy. <laughs> beat the bye. Go, uh, go Bulldogs and go uh, Huskies. Yep. Cheer for the dogs this week. There we go. So, uh, Thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in. Have a great week. Boiler up. Boiler up. Tanner Lee here of the Boiler Breakdown podcast. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a follow on social media. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Boiler Break Pod, and follow us on Instagram at Boiler Break Pod. And make sure to listen and subscribe to the Boiler Breakdown on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, Boiler Up, Hammer Down.